Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, your buddy Blender Ed, Blender HD. You can find me on Twitter there. And this is the show where we're now we're in the kind of, I don't know, what, how are we going to describe this show now? We're in the, in the interim, interim period or whatever. I didn't play NBA yesterday. I'm done. I'm sick and tired. Half a team sitting. This uh, after lock, post lock, pre lock. What's the news? Anything like that? I'm preparing for MLB. So I, I don't know. Eli's in the the production. He's he's doing all the stuff. I don't know. What the description is that we're gonna go over like Tuesday's picks for the NBA or whatever. Uh, probably not. We're probably not gonna be doing that. Uh, and I didn't play yesterday. All I know is that Westbrook put up like 90 million points. If he had Westbrook and Harden and then a whole bunch of other people, he probably did well yesterday. And Westbrook was like 50% on an 11-game slate. So if you didn't have him, and Olenek started for the Rockets, and he did well, so you needed those guys. right? If you got those guys, that that that, that, that was you had a great night. Okay? Uh, but I'm preparing for MLB. Okay? We see the people in the chat. I want to talk, talk about preparing for MLB. We've been talking about NBA for the, this year for what? Three three months. Let's talk about how to, how to get better at, at MLB DFS. Prepare for that because it's going to be a long grind. You're going to be doing very similar process every single day. So so I, I want to take today and tomorrow uh, because Thursday I'll be on Grinders Live. There there won't be a pregame show. I'll just be on Grinders Live with Dean and Cardi. So uh, two days of just general like MLB DFS strategy questions. Preparing for MLB rather than the, the 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 shit show that is late season NBA. But uh, feel free. I see you guys in the YouTube chat. Hit the thumbs up button. Keep my apple juice cold. Keep my apple juice cold. Hit the thumbs up button. Hit the subscribe button if you're new. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. I see you guys in there. Chandler Cannon, Apocalypse, Matt Mears, Meat Plow, of course. How you doing, Mr. Plow? Kevin Copeland, Rob F., Gerald Miller, Hog Lords, Joe Adamo, Stress One, FF Assassin, Daniel Hutchins, Samuel Shallon, who I see a bunch of people. Those thummy thumbs and keep the apple juice cold. There you go. Eli's in the chat. The little clappy claps. Clappy claps for Eli. I don't even know how he does it. You have to go find that video. If it, he claps like 8 million times a, a second or whatever. He does there. And then I don't know how that, I don't know. I don't know how that works. Whatever. I don't know how he optimizes for that. Uh, so, uh, so, so we'll, we'll talk about baseball. So if you have baseball questions, MLB stuff, post them in the, in the YouTube chat. If you're listening uh, on the podcast feed, if you didn't know there's a podcast feed, you could su- subscribe on iTunes, search for uh, Roto Grinders DFS pregame show, and you can listen to this uh, later, right? Or you can obviously watch it later on YouTube. But uh, MLB, MLB is is a bit different process than NBA. NBA projections in NBA are 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 much more efficient, but less fragile. That's a better way to put it. Not efficient, but not as fragile. Okay, it's much easier to project have a, a range of outcomes, a, a normal distribution curve for uh, for NBA players, right? Because there's no, it's not event-based, okay? That's the big difference. NBA, it's iterative scoring. You play four minutes, it's hard for you to get like, you can't get 50 points in four minutes. There's only what, you can only get maybe five points on one play, a steal and a three-pointer or something like that. So, it accumulates over time. So the variance in NBA is going to be much lower because you can't get lucky. You can't just uh, touchdown, home run. You can't, you can't just get a lot of points all at once. With one swing of a bat, uh, a baseball player, an MLB player could get 20 points on DraftKings. It would be a grand slam, right? You get 14 points in total for a solo home run, right? The, the other bar, the next RBI is 16, you know, third RBI is 18 in the Grand Slam, the four RBIs is 20. So you, one swing of the bat, depending on who's obviously you need three guys on base to get the Grand Slam. But I mean, you could you could have, you could get 14 points on one swing of the bat. So that's a solo home run. Okay, NBA, you can't, and then you can't get that. 14 points in, in MLB DFS is a lot, is a lot of points. Is a, is a good amount of points. If you, get, if you get a home run worth the points out of all the guys on, all your batters in your lineup, you're, 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 you're 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 very likely to be competing at the at the top of GPPs. Okay, basketball doesn't work that way. Basketball, the you know, 
you could you could build lineups. I always talk about lineups, not players, right? So in NBA, we could run and see uh, what's the optimal, right? What's the median optimal lineup? Yeah, uh, three hundred five or two ninety eight or what? And then then you're going to be sacrificing median for the sake of gaining leverage and correlation, which adds relative value to your lineup because you're competing against other people. So you you don't care about raw points. You care about how many more points can I get than my opponents. So the opponents that the points that you get that your opponents don't are worth more to you. Hence why you play lower owned players, right? But not all lower owned players, but there's a value in playing players that are closely projected, but have way different ownerships. In a sport like NBA, where the projections aren't as fragile, where that normal distribution curve, that normal, that 63% zone, 68% zone in the middle is going to be filled with a lot, a lot of, a lot of outcomes. MLB doesn't really work that way. MLB players don't have, they don't have normal distributions. I mean, we may view it as that, but I mean, we take a look, I'm looking at lineup HQ right now with the, the, the plate IQ projections that we have, not even the bat. And this doesn't matter. I mean, we're just going by, I mean, this is, it's Tuesday, right? I don't even know if we have a, a starting pitcher or two. And if these order batting orders are going to be, you know, the way they are, right? So we take a look, take a look at the, like, look at the, look at these ranges. Floor, two, like two to 27, two to 33, two to 28. I mean, the floor, like Fernando Tatis has the highest floor, which would be in our projections, the 15th percentile outcome, 2.84. Mookie Betts, 2.78. Bellinger, 2.67, 2.55. I mean, like, it, it's, 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 it's laughable how close they are to each other. And then the ceiling, obviously, the best players have the highest ceilings, but still, once we get into this mid-range, once we start getting into the, you know, whatever, you know, the difference between Carlos Santana and and and, and Ozzy Albies, I mean, they're all like kind of the same. 24, 23, 20, I mean, like all the all these all if you if you plotted this as a normal distribution, they'd all they'd all look this they'd all pretty much look the same. They'd look they'd look so close you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. But it's primarily because these are these aren't these really aren't normal distributions. They're more like binomial distributions, meaning that depending on the the uh, the probably woba of the player, how often the player does not strike out, the binomial distribution gets closer to a normal distribution, even though it's not going to be a normal distribution. So you have guys like uh, you have guys like. Uh, like even JD Martinez, I guess. Guys, guys, I mean, uh, like Joey Gallo is the perfect example of a binomial distribution. Joey Gallo is like a three outcome hitter. He either strikes out, he walks, or he hits a home run. So if his median, if we take a look here, let's look at Joey Gallo. Floor 1.94, ceiling 24.45. Who cares? Right? This is not a normal distribution. His median is eight. If you if you look at the actual range of outcomes of this simulation of what it would actually be a thousand times over, the amount of times you see eights are going to be low, but that's his median. But his but his median's eight, so why 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 don't we see many eights? Well, because you're going to see a lot of zeros and fourteens, like zero zero. He, he strikes out four times in a game. You're also going to see times where he hits two home runs in a game. So you're going to see 28s and 30s. You're going to see threes. You're going to see twos, not even a three. It doesn't even get a hit. He gets a walk, a walk and a run. Okay, there you go, four points. So it's kind of rare for him to get eight or nine, like right in that middle. Oh, Joey Galli goes, you rarely see the line. Oh, he goes three for four with a double and two singles and a run. Like he's not that, he swings for the fences. Hunter Renfro, those types of guys, these low batting average, low WOBA guys. So it's going to be a very extreme in between. But then we have guys like, I mean, guys that are, I mean, I can't, Christian, Christian Yelich is getting a little bit binomial now also. He's striking out a lot also. Uh, even take like Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts gets on base. 
Mookie Betts doesn't strike out as much. So it's 12. Is they, hey, there's more 12s. There's more in that middle zone. Do you, need, do you have to know the difference between the two? Not necessarily, but I'm just explaining the difference in the variance between NBA and MLB. So these medians as a raw number don't mean as much when they're not the likely, they're, they're actually not the likely outcome. That number is not the likely outcome on that given night. Okay. Now, most likely you're stacking, right? Okay. We'll, we'll get into that. So if you're building cash lineups or whatever, yeah, sure. You want, you want the highest median lineup. Sure. But understand the range is going to be ridiculous. So like right now, we just go by, this is, I mean, it's Tuesday. Don't go by these, these projections. We don't know what the starting lineups are going to be. So we're just using this as an example, okay? So from median, one, one, 116.08 is Woodruff Glasnow. And then we have Contreras, pay, you're paying up a catcher. Santana, Marte, Turner, Tatis, Dahl, Fam, Betts, okay? Where's Cedric Mullins? We were talking about him before. Uh, so this would be the best, like, obviously not for GPP, but understand that like, you know, like David Dahl could put up zero. I mean, like the, the, and I think these guys could put up zero. Now the wider their distribution is, you know, the guys like Gallo means that you're, you're either going to get a lot of points or, or very little points. Now in, in cash games, a lot of times you don't even care about that. You care about the lineup as a whole. So if Tommy Pham goes, you know, with 3,100 for San Diego, goes 0 for 4 and gets a 0, well, Carlos Santana puts up a home run. Like, you you, you get there, you, you, you're good, right, between the two of them, right? So you so it's not like in cash games you're like, oh, I got to avoid all those, like, home run or bust type of players. It's like, no, well, if you don't have home runs in your lineup, most likely you, you ain't catching in cash games either. You have to get some, you probably have to get three of them in a lineup. You got to get a three worth of points in a lineup and have two decent pitchers. But I say from a cash game perspective, you want the, the median. But as far as judging for GPPs, you really don't care about this median one-off type of lineup because the, the winning scores of GPPs are not going to be anywhere close likely to a cash game score. I mean, it's going to be widely different because correlation matters so much in MLB. It adds so much to your outcome. It, I mean, to, to the range of outcomes that you could have, adding variance, and I mean, ba- ba- baseball is variant as it is, but adding even more variance, like just having a one-off lineup like this, like a median lineup, and, and it is, it just never is, it, I want to say never, rarely ever going to be optimal for, for GP, any type of GPP. You're, you're stacking. You're taking advantage of one team doing well and all of their hitters correlating to that. So normally in basketball, we'd look at, right? We'd say, we oh, well, the median is 116. And then let me find lineups. We have, we have preliminary ownership. I don't know why. I don't know if it's going to matter now. And you'd look, okay, how owned is this? Like you'd, you'd bet you do this. You'd bet you press 20, right? You do that and you go, okay, here's this lineup. It's median is 116, his ownership is 190. And then you look and you go, oh, okay, well, this one's just slightly lower with the, the, the owner. You do this just like in basketball, right? You look for a low O lineup, but none of this has correlation in it. Baseball is all about correlation. Here's here. Oh, well, here we got some, some, obviously some Padres are cheap. One, two, three, four. So this would technically be a better lineup. This would technically would be a better lineup. GPP wise, not because of the ownership, but just the fact that it's correlated. 115.86, 115.82 has some correlation. But you're not you're not making this assessment based on this optimal just cash type of whatever. Just you're jamming in whatever's the whatever's there. So what you should be doing is comparing them stack to stack. Okay, so we're gonna go into to the stacks. I'm going to do 5x because on DraftKings you're you're going to be stacked at five. What you're doing with the other three, that, that that's you could do a mul- multitude of things, but at least you're, you're, you're you know you're stacking five on a on a slate of this size of you know ten plus games or whatever. 
Okay. So I'm just putting in five X. I'm not putting any, any, how many, how many of each stack and all that type of stuff. So I'm just putting a hundred percent. So the best lineup that has a step with the Padres, right? 114.84 at 189 ownership, which you can't, I mean, we're just using this as an example. So right now the prod Padres seem to be, we could even look at the stack summary. It's all hundred percent Padres. It's the Padres stack is the one that we have to compare against. So the highest Padres stack is like 114.84. They're also, they're going to be owned. I mean, look, I mean, based on this ownership right now, who knows what actually happens on Thursday. Manny Machado, 22%. Tatis, 29%. Pham, 17%. Caratini, 10%. I mean, Profar is in there but at zero. I don't know, they just didn't give him a projection. And then you're jamming into whatever, two, two pitchers, about 16, eight in pitchers. And then you're paying up for Mookie Betts. Something like that. So this is what you'd be comparing to. So let's say we're going to now increase. So we're not just producing 20. Let's, let's get it. You probably have to do more. 60. Let's do 60. So now I'm going to go to the stacks. We can't do it through build rules yet. We're going to be able to soon. So I go to stacks. Now I'm going to go to the Padres and say, well, uh, let me just max that at, at 20. Just so we get other stacks to compare it to. Actually, you could do it globally right here. Instead of the Padres. Let's get this to zero. Let's do primary stack max to be 10. So there'll be no more than six lineups for a stack because we're doing 60, right? 10% of 60 is six. So obviously the first six stacks that we should see are Padre stacks, I would assume. And then it's going to say, I'm die. We can't build any more Padre stacks. So now what type of stacks we're going to build? Okay. So let me do 60 like this. This is just for research. These aren't the lineups that I'm building. It's just, just for research, very similar to NBA. Where you're just looking and you're going, what type of lineups fit these types of parameters? Project decently and have low have lower owner. Get, you get leverage with the amount of ownership that you're getting from. Then we also have a tool called Slate, Slate IQ that does the simulation of the slate and show you how often do certain stacks are the highest in the winning lineup versus how much they're owned. We don't have that run yet, but that I'll show you that. That's probably more important than the median projection of the lineup. Okay, so here we go. So we could even look at the stack summary. So look, we're we're getting six, 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 then we're getting some of we're getting other stuff. So we got San Diego, we got the Padres number one. Okay. Obviously, uh, with the pitchers, we're also getting glass now with 90% of our lineups and Woodruff at 45% of the lineups. Now we're looking at Padres, 114 for the Padres. Okay. 114 for the Padres. Let's look at the next. See, we get Padres, Padres. Okay, now we get Dodgers. We're in cores. Right? But you got a punt and a uh, Tucker Barnhart. Okay, that's fine. 112 for the Dodgers and a little less ownership. Even though the Dodgers probably will be pretty owned on on Thursday because they're in course. So 112 for the Dodgers. Here's the Orioles 112. Cisco, Mancini, Galvis, Mullins, Santander. Even lower ownership. Nah, about the same. Well, 159, 166. Right, we're assuming that, I mean, we're, we're assuming this ownership is correct. I'm not saying it is. So we got the Orioles at 112. Another Dodgers, another Dodgers. Another Orioles, more or, or here's a five three. I didn't specify the five three. But it only it only it only spends forty nine one. You're like, oh, it leaves nine hundred on the table. Can you do that? Yeah, of course you can do that. Don't feel the need to spend all your salary if you're getting if you're getting a five three lineup like this with two good pitchers. Then who cares? Forty nine one, go for it. All right, forty nine nine. This is a forty nine one lineup. I think this is perfectly fine. Get another Dodgers, another Orioles, Dodgers, Orioles, Dodgers, Orioles, 
Diamondbacks, 110. Okay, even lower ownership, obviously. Because look at love. Well, Christian Walker, one percent. You're done, right? You know, you're playing the Diamondbacks. You don't. You're done. You don't care if you're playing Betts and Bellinger in your line and Tatis. I mean, this is a vomit stack lineup. I mean, this is this is the quintessential vomit stack lineup that I build. You take two good pitchers. A lot of times, I'm taking 10K pitchers, and then you have five. I mean, look how cheap these guys are. And you're playing one, two, three, four, six. So, I mean, pretty top of the order. And then who are your one-offs? Well, Tatis, Bellinger, and Betts. Okay. How do I get any better than that? Like, and I'm playing two good pitchers. Done. There you go. 110. 139. Ownership. I mean, 110. I mean, look at this. 110 is not that much lower than what? 114. The optimal is 116. You thought just a mess of people, right? With all the one-offs. So I'm only sacrificing for this lineup, this Diamondbacks vomit stack lineup, sacrificing six, but not even six points. I'm only spending 48-7. I'm gaining like 50, 50 percentage points in ownership. And I got plenty, got plenty of plenty of correlation, leverage, and I mean. Here you go, vomit stack lineup, 110. Now, once I have this type of baseline, now am I going to be build lineups that have projections that are like at 96? No, probably not. Once I hit that range and I go, look, I could build lineups with like 110 that satisfy what, I, what I'm looking for, ownership-wise and projection-wise, then that's the range that I should be looking in. So here we go. Here's another Diamondbacks one. Here's a Royals lineup. Similar ownership. Still two chalk pit. You're playing two chalk pitchers. Here we go. Like uh, we got uh, three. We got three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, no, that's fine. Paying for Mondesi. That's going to be kind of a little contrarian compared to Tatis. So this this satisfies one hundred nine point six nine one thirty three ownership in the range of the other that Diamondbacks lineup. Okay. Here's a Phillies lineup. It has, huh, uh, let's see, has Tatis in it as a one-off. I mean, we got a lot of cheap guys. You got Roman Quinn batting eighth. That's not all that appealing. And maybe this may be the type of thing where you X him out. But this is what you do. You go through, here's a ball, here's a Red Sox lineup, 109.36. 169, a little bit higher, higher ownership. It's probably coming from, because JD is 16%. Kiki's 19% if he leads off. So we see here, like, kind of like Boston almost seems like they're over-owned. It's like it projects it projects one point lower than the other lineups, but, like, the ownership is, like, 30, 30 points higher, 20 points higher, something like that. Doesn't mean you can't play them. It's just like they, it's notice, they're noticeably over-owned for, as a five-stack type of lineup. You go through here. Because, look, I mean, the difference between that and the Royals, Right? Doesn't mean you can't play Red Sox as one-offs. It just just means as a stack, they they seem a little overowned. Here's a Cubs lineup. This is overowned. Oh, then this seems like an overowned line. Well, I think it's because of Tatis is in here. You got Contreras, Rizzo, Bodie, Bryant, Peterson. So I just look at 178, 109. I go, I think the Diamondbacks and the Royals are lower owned for similar for better and better projected. So now I now I now I start seeing these 109s, 108s, these type of here's a red stack at 108. Now obviously these numbers are gonna go down depending on the pitchers that you play. Because this is essentially these stacks are just jamming in whatever the best projected pitchers are. If you're gonna get contrarian a pitcher also, then obviously your your ownership's gonna come down. But I don't want to necessarily go directly by like me. Like you could have medians in 98s, 96s from here. Because the range of outcomes on, on, on these lineups are going to be dramatic. One team puts up 10 runs and the, all these batters go, go. They start making tons of points. They get, they get shut out. Well, they're going to have zero. Going through the YouTube chat. Uh 
Tony Porcelli, do you only stack one team from the game or do you bring it back? Or would you second stack a hitters from a complete other game? They're, they're, they're unrelated to each other. You don't stack games in MLB. Like they're independent of each other. It's, it's one team could bat and score eight runs and then the team could come up at the bottom of the ninth and strike out three times. I mean, like one is independent on the other. The, the other team could also have eight runs. I mean, they're all getting the same amount of outs. So it's not like, so it's, so it's not, I don't target games. Don't, don't, don't do that. If it just so happens that your other stack is from that, it's the, the opponent of that game, then so be it. But no, you're not stacking games. You're stacking teams. But most likely, I mean, we see a lot of times, I know this is anecdotal evidence is that, you know, a team that got the stack in order to win a GPP, your stack has to go off off. Most likely on a large slate, eight runs, 10 runs. A lot of times it's easier for the opposing pitchers to pitch when they have a big lead. So is that a thing? So you wouldn't play the hitters from the other side of the game? I don't know. It's not something I even think about. So don't avoid playing hitters from the other side of the game. It's just that it they're not correlated. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't see them being correlated with each other anyway. Or negatively correlated. Just Whatever. Ronald Coley, how do you think the new utility position will affect construction on FanDuel? They've always had a, a utility position. It's multiple position eligibility. It just means it's easier to make it's easier to make lineups. So the guys fit in multiple spots. So if two guys are first base eligible, you, you could you could play one in utility one to first base. If a guy is first and third eligible, obviously you could play him at first, third, and utility. So it's easier to make stacks you don't have you don't have to get stuck with like some shortstop $2,100 shortstop from some other team in order to make make sense that stack makes sense so no it just made just makes it easier to stack uh sean a stack course field print money mlb so easy that would be incorrect if you played m if you played course if you played uh on course slates if you stack course field you'd be negative ev that, that's that's already already been statistical models on that. It's I I almost never play course field. If you never if you never played a batter from course field, by default you'd you'd be profitable. That I'm 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 just telling you how it is. I play I play I play course field stacks when when for some reason they're 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 underowned. But the course games are number one the sites. Typically, price them up, and they end up being overowned, and still end up being overowned. We're not. I'm not necessarily even talking when like they accidentally. Uh, oh, they're going to price everyone to 3,500 on DraftKings. Okay, then, but then they 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 still are overowned, but at least they're they're underpriced. But when a team comes into cores and all their batters are five thousand, when really they're not five thousand dollar batters but they still end up getting owned. I got to stack cores. So no, I, I, I rarely, I rarely ever play course field. What a one-off. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Fine. You could do that. I'm talking about like a, as a five man stack, Ronald Coley. Can you speak about lineup order? For example, in your stack, should the guys be no more than one spot from each other? So playing a lineup order of one, four, seven, nine, probably wouldn't be good. Uh, people take too much of the gaps. In 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 uh, I mean, in, in the best case, there shouldn't be any gap. One to five would be the best, but the differences in the gaps don't account for that that much. Okay, so if you played one four seven nine, it's yeah, it as 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 a four man stack, that that wouldn't be as good as one two three four, or four five six seven, or four five seven eight. Or one, three, four, five, you know, like something like that. But the differences in those gaps are not that dramatic. The hitters are core. All the hitters in the lineup have positive correlation to one another. And the differences between the correlation of one, four, seven, nine and two, four, five, six is not that dramatic. So don't, don't say, oh, well, I, the only, I could, I could, I could play one, two, three, six, seven. 
as a five-man stack. One, two, three, six, seven. Like, there's too much of a gap there. Can't play it. No, why not? Why can't you play it? No reason you can't. Yeah, one, two, three, four, five is better than one, two, three, six, seven. Right, but how much better? This much better. You see, you see my screen? Like, there's nothing there. There's 0.01, point not, I mean, it's not, it's not that dramatic. So don't worry about it as much. So don't don't get don't get in your head about like oh well the gaps are here and whatever like I don't, I don't care. Obviously, the most important factor is plate appearances. So the higher the team, the higher the batter is in the order, the higher their plate appearance expectation is. That's the reason why uh, uh, stacks like six, seven, eight, nine, five, six, seven, eight, nine are not as valuable as one, two, three, four, five. It, assuming that the prices were the same. The lower the batting order, the lower the plate appearance expectation. And obviously you can't get points in MLB unless you're batting, right? So you lose one at bat, you don't, you bat four times instead of five, that, that's, that's 20%. That's 20% of your opportunity. The guys at the top of the order have more opportunity than the guys at the bottom of the order because they'll most likely be up more. Assuming not a pinch hitter, you know, double switch, whatever they do. So that's the difference to me. So to me, it's not one four seven nine. The value of that is that the guys that are batting seventh and ninth have a lower plate appearance expectation, not the gap. The gap I don't care about. I don't. I, I don't care about much. Card fan, can you talk about building for small field versus large field? Are you building cash with small pivots? Or are you playing high-owned stacks and small? Yeah, you're in GPP. You are always playing stacks. End of story. That's it. The correlation in MLB is high. Is is high? It's the highest of any DFS sport. That that major DFS sport. I think I think uh, League of Legends is the highest correlation. You're you're playing stacks. So like in small field. Typically in small field, what you're doing, since you don't need as much leverage, you still need leverage. You just don't need as much of it. You're typically doing one of two things. You're either playing a chalk stack or you're playing chalk pitchers. Like that's that's that that's pretty much the decision that you're making. That doesn't mean you have to play the chalk stack. It means you the, the number one stack or whatever. No, you could you could play. You play the second. You're, play, you're playing. You're playing a high projected stack. You're playing. You're probably playing a team with a high implied team total. You play, you play against a really bad pitcher. You're, you're probably playing one of those. One of one of those stacks, and then you're getting different a pitcher. You're finding your leverage in the starting pitcher spot, or you're jamming in the chalk starting pitchers, and then you, you're getting a little bit contrarian with the stack. A little, and I say a little bit contrarian because in small field you don't need that much leverage. So let's say on this slate, I mean, using the, the the projected ownership now, which doesn't mean anything. Like the Padres look to be chalk, right? It looks like the Padres, the Dodgers, Padres, Dodgers, Red Sox, something like that. So you could still use one. I mean, a little bit different could be playing the Red Sox. I mean, like the difference between the Dodgers and the Red Sox. The Dodgers are going to be, what, 9%, 18, 16, 5. I mean, even these numbers you could probably still play in small field GPPs. Just look how many, you have so many more roster spots. Or you could play the chalk stack with a weird guy. Right? So you look up here with the the Padres and you're like, well, I'm going to play the core people, but I'm going to play, you know, Jarrickson Profar. Instead of playing, you know, Will Myers, and then play someone a one-off there instead, and there you go, you're good, you're done. Getting unique in GPPs and MLB is just—you don't even have to worry about uniqueness. There's so many combinations that you just—you don't really have to—you really don't have to worry about it on large slates. On smaller slates, three, four-game slates, okay, then we just have to start start talking about that. On a ten-game, twelve-game, fourteen-game slates, that don't. Uniqueness, leverage scores, you don't you don't need any of that. Most likely you're gonna have a unique lineup. But yes, in small field, you're you're more likely to 
lean towards it. You're most like you're more likely to play the chalk pitchers in in, in small field because pitchers are less variant than hitters. So a lot of times in my single entry lineups, I'm, I'm whatever the two chalk pitchers, the, the 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 best value pitchers, I'm most likely playing, and then playing a, a kind of an off the board stack. Or if I if I believe that certain pitchers are being over owned for for their value, I'll go. Well, I'm, then I'm not going to play that. But my one offs may be from the chalk stacks. I'm just going to play the highest projected like. 5x type of lineup and even in in small small fields like maybe 200 people you don't even have to play five mans you could play four four three ones four two two one you could you could do four mans the more correlation matters for bigger bigger fields you still want correlation probably still stack at four but the less of the field size the less the less you need that leverage that correlation that, that increased variance. Leverage and correlation just increase your variance. So in a 200-person contest, how much increase of variance do you need? 200,000-person contest, you need, to, you need to increase your variance a lot. So you want more correlation, more leverage. MLB question, how do you go about determining secondary stacks? Is it just where projections take you? Or do you factor ownership like you would with main stacks? I mean, you can. Most of the time, once you get to your secondary stack, it doesn't matter anymore. You're fine. So me, that's why that's why I use the five x feature. The five x doesn't mean I doesn't mean I don't build five threes, but this five x right here just means as long as I have a five man, then whatever three batters fits in the other spots. Sometimes they sometimes it's a five. I mean, we saw before. Right, we saw before up here that we had a five three. I mean, we have. Secondary correlations here. Look, look, two, two, uh, you got the Padres and then a two man Meadows, Tsutsugo, Tampa Bay, and then Edmund is a one off. That's fine. I'm more concerned about the five man stack and the pitchers. So, yeah, I'm more, I'm more, I'm more likely to just wherever the projections go for the other three guys, perfectly fine with me. And then I'll worry about diversification later. The third guy in the lineup is, you know, always Tommy Pham. You know, the one of the one-offs or something. You know, I look Cedric Mullins. Then I may say, okay, I don't want as much of that guy. But that's a diversification thing. That's not a that's not a strategy thing. That's not a that he projects the best. That's who you should play. But do you, it, in such a high variant sport, do you want Cedric Mullins as your one-off in 50% of your lineup? I mean, maybe you do. You could. Perfectly fine. If he puts up a zero, they, he, he kills a lot of your lineups. And there may, compared to Cedric Mullins, there may be other players and other lineups that project virtually very low below him that don't have Cedric Mullins in it. So do I want to bank my whole slate on Cedric Mullins? No. Most likely, no. If you do, that's fine. Mathematically, it doesn't matter. Let's see. Sean A., can you demonstrate an example of how you use groups in MLB? Uh, I don't use them that often. We're going to be cut uh, on lineup HQ. There's going to be a only in stacks function that's coming out. So, like these, like ninth hitters, like when I saw before, before we were looking at before, where we had who was, who was, who was, who was the guy? Not Barnard, Gavin, like let, let's say in the Dodger stack, Gavin Lux. Was that Philly stack? I, I believe it was the Philly stack with Roman Quinn. Where did that stack go? Where did Roman Quinn go? Right. So here's an eighth hitter, twenty one hundred. Obviously cheap enough, but maybe I like. I don't want Roman Quinn to be a one off. Right. Roman Quinn's fine in a in a Philly stack, sure. But I, do I want a twenty one hundred dollar Roman Quinn batting eighth at home against Atlanta? to be like a one-off hitter. Probably not. So that's what I would create a group for. But you're not going to need to do that anymore. You could just, there's going to be, there's going to be a checkbox somewhere over here that says only in stacks. You'll be able to check that. You'll be able to go to Roman Quinn, check that box. And that means that he will never come up outside of one of your stacks. 
So you don't have to worry about that. But that's what I would use groups for. But you don't need to do that anymore. But a group, groups that you could use is like for pitchers. Like, let's say, if we go to pitchers now, it's giving you a lot of Woodruff and Glasgow. Woodruff and Glasgow. Maybe you don't want. You split that up. So you're not playing both of them together. Maybe you want to, like Woodruff, Gladsnow. Uh, let's take a look at the point per dollar. Glasnow comes up. What? Yeah, that's why we're getting a lot of Glasnow and Woodruff because we also have cheap hitters. Maeda. Let's say you want to make sure to not play two expensive pitchers together. Well, you could make a group. Let's say you made a group with, you know, uh, Woodruff, maybe like Flaherty up or something like that and say max one. So you're not playing Darvish Nola lineups. Maybe you do want to play Darvish Nola lineups. So let's say you don't want to build Darvish Nola lineups. So you just make a group. Max one. Or you want to play two cheap pitchers. You don't want to build those types of lineups. You can do the same thing. Let's say you're getting a lot of, like in your one-offs, you're getting a lot of like Betts Bellinger or something like that. And you're not playing Dodgers stacks. And you just, you make a group and you say max one of Betts and Bellinger. Control diversification. Now, obviously if you're playing stacks, it'll interfere with that. Right? If you're playing Dodger stacks and you create a group that says no more one of Betts and Bellinger, you ain't going to get it. You're gonna get, you ain't going to get both of them, even in stacks. But sometimes let's say you don't want bottom of the order stacks. So let's say we go to let's go to a, let's go to the Dodgers lineup. Let's just go to the Dodgers lineup as an example. Assume lineup. I mean, obviously, assume lineup. So let's say I want to make sure that essentially against Marquez, maybe I don't want. Maybe Gavin Lux would be the perfect guy to be like only in stacks. But let's say I don't want to play uh, Betts, Bellinger, Pollock. I don't want to fill all three outfield spots on DraftKings. So you have Betts, Bellinger, Pollock. So I would go into the player groups. I go Betts, Bellinger, Pollock. That's players to use at most two. So I still get Betts Bellinger. I get Betts Pollock. I get Bellinger Pollock, but I can't get three outfield spots together. Maybe we look at the bottom of the order and say, well, I don't want a six, seven, eight stack. I don't want six, seven, eight. I'm not, I'm not saying you should or you shouldn't, but let's say you don't. I don't want six, I, I, I want one of these three. So basically my stacks, my five man stacks are going to be four out of the top five guys. And then one at most of six, seven, eight. So Muncie, Smith, and Lux. I could do that also. So I'll go Muncie, Smith, and Lux. You go max one. So when you make your five man Dodger stacks, there's going to be four out of the top five hitters. And at max one of these. So you're not playing five, six, seven, eight, nine type of stack. Now, the new only in stacks feature kind of kind of mitigates some of these some of the groups that you could make. I'm using the word could. I'm not even saying that you should make these types of groups. But if you take a look at that, a lot of times it's based on what you're generating. You're building 100 lineups and you're generating lineups and you're seeing too many like bottom order type of stacks. And you're like, I don't know how many of these types of lineups do I want to make with lower plate expectations, plate appearance expectations. So then you go in and then you create a group. A lot of times I'm creating groups once I see the lineups that come out and go, wow, I didn't I didn't realize construction-wise I was going to get a lot of this. I want to get less of whatever that is. Let's see. Going through the YouTube chat. Hit that thumbs up button. Keep the apple juice cold. Do-do-do-do. Yeah, Tony Porcelli. Plate, plate appearances are like minutes in basketball. Right? You can't score points without being on the court. Just like in baseball, you can't score points without being at the plate. Like, I think every spot in the order is like 0.2 uh, plate appearance expectation. 
I believe, something like that, on average. So if we say that the number one hitter has an X played appearances, expected. Number two would be 0.2 lower than that. And then three would be 0.4, 0.6, So once we start getting to the bottom of the order, your plate appearance expectation is like a full at bat lower than guys at the very top of the order. And understand that you, the top of the order may only, may, may get five at bats. So getting four instead of five, that's 20% of your opportunity. Now in a slow scoring game, top of the order may only get four at bats. If you're at the bottom and you get three at bats, that's one that's, 25% of like, it's just like your opportunities are gone. You could 25%, whatever, whatever your range of outcomes, 25% of it is gone. So it matters. That's also the reason why a lot of lower the order hitters are not as old. I mean, it, there's a trade-off there. Ronald Coley, what do you think about home team stacks not being preferable? There's no such thing as not being preferable. There's more likely and less likely but yes, the plate appearance expectation for road teams is always going to be nine innings. Now they score 20 runs and they're up, you know, big and that they start taking players out in the eighth and ninth inning. You can't control that. You'll see that sometimes. But the road team is, is guaranteed ninth inning at bats. So the plate appearance, it should be in your projections already. That's why if you know if you notice that the bottom of the order hitters for home teams will have slightly lower projections than similarly priced and talented players from the from the home, from the road team. It's three extra outs because if the home team is leading, they're not going to bat the ninth inning. That, does it mean that you don't play them? No, of course. You can play home team stacks all you want. Yeah. That's not a big that's not a big decision. I don't think I don't think in those terms. Usually it comes down to the, if I'm stacking the team, do I want to play bottom of the order hitters? Right? I mean, on this slate, what? We have, you know, at Boston, right? If Boston's home. And I'm going to stack the Red Sox, which is perfectly fine. You don't avoid home teams. But maybe I'm less likely to have Bobby Dahlbeck batting ninth in my stack. Less likely. Doesn't mean not at all. Just means less likely. More likely to have more of the top of the order than the bottom of the order. Obviously, positions matter. Like in this, I get to fill a shortstop. Great. I get to fill a second baseman. Great. Third base. I I could fill a bunch of positions. Catcher, maybe not so much. So really, more it it more affects how I'm going to treat the bottom of their order rather than, do I roster them at all? Like, who cares? Oh, they don't get uh, they don't get ninth inning at bats. Yeah, but they're up, you know, they, they scored 14 runs and they're the highest scoring team on the slate. So who cares? They'll, they win anyway. But it just, it dramatically takes away, it takes away three outs from possibly the bottom of the order. So to me, that that that's the only, that's the only thing I, I worry about. Oh, let's see. Pop 6870. Hey, Blender, does Cardi stats work from the beginning of the season or should I wait a few games to get better accurate projections? Why wouldn't they work from the beginning? Projections are projections. I would, I would, I would look into understanding what projections are to begin with. And then uh, and then coming back. What what other projections do you okay? I'm not gonna use I'm not gonna use projections. Okay. So what are you gonna use? Just close your eyes, throw a dart at the ceiling? I mean. Still have to use that there, there is a sample size of the batters batting and the pitchers pitching and the ballparks ballparking. And the, I mean, the weather's weathering. It, well, then, well, they haven't, Arenado's never been in this play. Like, so you tell me Alton Nolan Arenado's never hit outside of Coors Field? Of course he has. More than half his games he has. So there's a sample size there. Well, the pitcher, I mean, we're not dealing with rookie pitchers. Aaron Nola, Maeda, Darvish. Are they any dramatically different this year? Who knows? Have they regressed? 
positively or negatively? Possibly, but I mean, there's still, we still have stats on these guys, right? We're not dealing with rookies. The order, batting order doesn't matter. Oh, now they're on a new team. Oh, this isn't like football or anything. How are they going to work within their system? Dude gets up and tries to hit a home run. What the, what, what? He's facing the same guys that he was facing the other. I mean, like, like Nolan Arenado is not in cores anymore. It's like Nolan Arenado, like he's facing Luis Castillo in Cincinnati. Like it's still, it's still normal baseball. He's still hitting a ball. Well, how is he going to react being on the Cardinals? Who cares? He's still sitting in the batter's box against Luis Castillo. He did that for the, he did that for the Rockies. So like, I don't know. What sample size we would, they already batted. They, 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 there's already tons of stats on these guys. Now, that when it comes to like, oh, the ball's dead, the dead ball or something like that. Okay, but that'll affect everyone equally. Pretty much, right? I guess so. You don't know that, but I mean, we're, it's a constant that everyone has to deal with. To say like, well, I, I, well, I shouldn't look at projections for the first two months. Like, well, what, what else would you be looking at? And what makes two months later be any differently than two two weeks earlier? Doesn't matter. Michael Lingenfelter, do you plan on continuing to play small single entry tournaments like you did in NBA? Possibly. I play whatever the wherever the edge, wherever the edge is. What am I gonna opening day? I'm playing, I'm playing large field tournaments. The next day I could play a single entry tournament. The next day. Four game slate, maybe maybe there's overlay and I'm playing on FanDuel. Maybe I'm playing on Yahoo. Maybe I'm playing, right? Anytime you ask a question about what someone else is doing, it's the wrong question. Can I answer it with a yes or a no? Then you know, then you know that you, you asked the stupid question. If you could answer with yes, no, or an exact number, doesn't matter what I do. It does not, it does, whatever I do, you doesn't matter what you do. Oh, are you going to play these types of lineups? Well, what type of contest? What type of opponents? What's what's your? I'm I'm my goal is to win seventeen trillion dollars in DFS. Well, then you should probably be playing large field GPPs and playing the most nutso lineups. And if you go broke, you go broke. My goal is to make twenty thousand dollars playing DFS. Well, you probably should be playing cash games, right? Getting accurate projections like the. What's what's the difference between your edge and your variance? What 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 is your goal? What, where does that align? I've always said my goal is to make fifty to seventy five thousand dollars a year playing. That could come through winning a large field GPP. That could come through single entry tournaments. That could come through cash games. That could come through. Someone offers me tomorrow a thousand dollar head to head in NBA that I've never heard of before. Then I'm I look like I'm playing NBA tomorrow. The, the, the skill difference in a, a random opponent probably I'm probably better. So it's not a matter about what I do. What contests are you playing? What sites are you playing on? What's the, what diversification are you having? It's like asking someone like, uh, "What's in your stock? What's in your stock portfolio?" That's what I should buy. It's like, well, some, the stock portfolio of a sixty-two-year-old uh, and a twenty-seven-year-old is going to be dramatically different. 27-year-old may have way many more growth stocks. 62-year-old may have bonds. 27-year-old probably shouldn't have any bonds. You don't need a fixed income, no return type of, it's a less risky. You don't, yeah, you can take on the time horizon of, <coughs> of risk when you're 27 years old, when you don't need the money for 35 years. So if, the, if it goes down and goes up and goes down, like you have 35 years to get there. When you're 62 and you're going to be taking out the money three years from now or something. Like, dude, you can't go on a downswing. You have to, to should be kind of safe assets, safer assets. So that's what, that's, so that's what I mean by like, how much volume are you playing? How much like, it's, it's all, it's all you. What contest are you taking? What three mans are you in? Like I, you may have you may have a better you may find weaker opponents than I do. You may play different sites than I do. You may play different tournaments. I mean, it depends. Some slates I look at and go, oh, this is this is a this is a good slate for for these types of contests. And then next next day I'm like, 
Yeah, any lineup, like especially in basketball. Sometimes I look at some slates and I go, "Yeah, this is uh, this this is a I build a single entry lineup, but that's it." And sometimes I look at slates and I go, "This is a great slate to just build a hundred lineups and rotate a bunch of these studs around, and then just you know try to get the right combination." Same thing happens in baseball. Like those core slates, a lot of times I, I, I find to be good for large field GPPs with my, with my, with my strategy and the, and the risk profile that I have in MLB. That when cores is over, over owned, that it's like, I just X out cores and I just play 10 other stacks. And like, now I don't have to worry about it. I just like, I'll just play a bunch of, I'll just throw a lot of crap against the wall. And as long as the cores fails, I have a good shot at winning a lot of money. Sometimes cores is is owned, but not that over owned. Then it'd be like, okay, maybe I don't do that. Every day is going to be different. Where would you recommend putting your cash game lineup for upside? Triple ups, quintuple ups. In MLB, I would not. I would. I would. I would not play my cash game lineup in MLB. In uh, in in any GPP whatsoever. Yeah, kids or something, triple ups, three mans. Unless for some odd reason, your cash lineup is a stack. Some people play it that way. Sometimes I've seen some people play cash games where it's like, you're going to play the chalk stack and then fit everything else around. Okay, you could do that. Then then at least then you could play in GPPs. Craig Toe, how much of your bankroll do you play in MLB? Yesterday, McCall recommended 3%. Do you agree? Well, me? In cash games, I'll be playing less than 1%. Now, I'm playing 10% of what's on this sheet. But remember, like it says here, for NBA, starting bankroll, 20,000. My bankroll is over 200,000. So if I'm playing 2,000 of this, that's technically 1% of my bankroll. It's 10% of my investment on a daily basis. So I'll be doing the same thing in MLB, starting with 20,000. $20,000 investment. Because remember, I'm not playing cash games. I'm investing $20,000 into projections to give me the optimal median lineup. And I'm playing that over multiple months. So my 20000 is gone. And I'm going to play 10% of that on multiple sites to get more diversification. Then in GPP, I'm playing like a half a percent of my bankroll. But like I said, what I do doesn't matter. I may have a much lower risk profile than you do. You may have a bigger edge than I do. I could have a bigger, that, that's what's called the Kelly criterion. I'm pretty sure that my edge is bigger than yours, which means I could I could wager more without uh, having a risk of ruin. Do I choose to do that? No, I'm actually way more conservative. Because... I'm just looking to make fifty to seventy-five thousand dollars a year. I'm looking to maximize my probability for that. But what's your risk profile? Maybe you're 24 years old. You don't have any bills or anything like that, and you're like, I'm I'm, I'm looking to make a big score, and you don't mind. You don't mind going broke, or to some extent, going okay. Then you're gonna be you're gonna be playing DFS in a much different way than I am. You're gonna play. You're gonna be playing different lineups, different contests, different stock, that completely differently. You could be plus EV. I could be plus EV. Both at the same time. You're more likely to go broke, but you're also more likely to make three hundred thousand dollars this year. Probably more so than I am. Even though I have a bigger edge than you, you have a slightly lower. I mean, like that. That those are the things that matter. I listen to Cardi, this is Michael Lingenfelter. I listen to Cardi play, about playing more cash in DK and not really playing any in FanDuel. Why is this? What? Probably because FanDuel pricing tends to be softer. I guess so. I don't know. You have to ask Cardi. I've not, remember, I do not play cash games. I don't understand, I, I, I understand what it is. I, I don't under, really understand. I'm not picking players. I'm not playing cash games. I'm investing in projections over a long period of time with a diversified contest selection. 
So I'm not playing cash games. I, I'm in cash contests. That's the only way that the investment could go on. So if you ask me, like, what, why did you play this guy in cash? I go, there's no, re- there's, there's literally no reason other than that's the best projected lineup. Well, it did badly yesterday. I go, okay, so my stock portfolio did badly. Went down one percent yesterday, also. And what, my, what am I doing? Selling all my stock now? Oh my God, it went down two percent. My portfolio went down two percent tomorrow. Oh my God. Oh my God, I got to sell everything, right? I'm 42. I'm not going to be using that money till for 20 years. So what, 2% in one day? What the hell does it matter to me? That money's gone for 20 years. It's the same thing in, in, to this. This is a smaller time horizon. April 1st, $20,000 in. September 1st, it's coming out. Or whatever, So around September. It's coming out, whatever, whatever you want to call it. It's the same thing in NBA. Put $20,000 in. I got I got $40,800 out. These these swings, these these over here, who cares? I put it in 1222. I took it out on 328 from the river. If I fell asleep, I didn't even know what happened. The entire time, I would have doubled my money. So who cares? Like these red days. Oh, my God. On the 14th, you pl- you played so-and-so in cash. What? Who cares? All I care is about the number at the end of the season. So that's not playing cash. That's not playing cash games. I'm not making any decisions like that. So I'm doing the same thing in MLB. Al Marillo, when I decided to play, when you're asking a question about what does it matter? When you decided to play GPPs, which contest did I start with? Hundred, I played the large field GPPs. Do you personally prefer one side over the other for MLP? I prefer DraftKings. You know why? Because it's where I started on DraftKings. So I played soccer and DraftKings. Is that is that the reason why you should be playing? No, because why should it matter that I played soccer on DraftKings in 2015? So I had money on there. So I played MLB on DraftKings and has two pitchers. So I learned how to play that game which is a different game than on FanDuel. So now would you would you do that? Would you go back in time? Go back and, and plot the same points? Said no, that's, there's no reason. What I did matters to you. What contest did I start? Large field GPPs, because that's what I'm good at. The variance in them is is nuts. Like in baseball, large, in any sport, large, I'm, I'm a good large field GPP player. The problem comes in is that a good large field GP play, player, you're going to have to bink like once or twice a season. That, that's, that's where your money comes from. You're going to lose 95% of the time. So your swings are going to be big. And if you don't bink, you're, you're dead. So you got you, you to know how to bink. You got to know how to build those types of lineups on a day-to-day basis to do well, to have the shot. At winning first place once or twice a season, once or twice a year. Are you good enough to do that? If the answer is no, then you shouldn't be playing them. Or are you playing them to learn? You're, try, you're trying to get better. Small field contests, that's a, that's a different style of play. They're two totally different games. I think a lot of people don't realize that. Small, a single entry small field uh, GPPs in DFS and large field GPP in DFS are there's more of a difference. Uh, here, here's a better way of putting it. If you know NBA, let's go, let's go NBA and MLB. You know, you know NBA the most, and you have another person that knows the MLB the most and knows nothing about, you literally know nothing about M- MLB. Let's say you, you know everything about NBA. Let's use that example. You're the type of, you're sitting there going, I know everything about basketball. I'm great in NBA I know everything. MLB, don't even know who any of these players are. You literally don't even know. Who's Mookie Betts? Who's Mike Trout? Never heard of him. Okay? Uh, If you're good at large field GPPs at NBA, you'll be good at large field GPPs at MLB. Not Not knowing anything about MLB. There's more of a, there's more of a skill, that's how different the games are. 
MLB, NBA, NFL, all those sports, the knowledge gap between the sports is smaller than the knowledge gap of playing large field GPPs versus small field GPPs. If you understand what I'm saying. So like if you're playing 500 person GPPs, 1,000 person GPPs, less than that, 100 person, 50 mans, the Thunderdome. Like playing the Thunderdome is to me, like that's, that's barely DFS. I mean, it is, yeah, I guess so. But playing like a 10-man Thunderdome or a 30-man Thunderdome and playing 120,000 entry GPP is, is too, to- it's, you, might, you might as well just not even call one DFS and the other. They're so dramatically different. So you could be great at large field GPPs and be, eh, the cash games, right? I know plenty of people that are great at the small field GPPs that are horrible. I mean, they're horrible in large field GPPs. I mean, it's just horrible. Like, it'd be a waste of time, waste of money. They're donating. A great 100-man, you know, to to play the the, the, the $3,000 GPP or something like that. But if they uh, build 20 lineups for the large... uh, you know, 70,000, they're, they're building horrible lines. They're building the lineups that are too chalky. So that's that's what, these are the things you have to worry about. What are you good at? What you're good at and what I'm good at may be different. So what I do doesn't matter. But we'll be talking about MLB tomorrow as well, right? People are like, well, I was hoping for an NBA show today. Well, why? Who knows what's going to happen? It's a four-game slate, and the, the, the 18 people may still be out today. So what does it matter? <laughs> right, let's get into MLB. It'll, we'll be doing MLB for, for God knows how long. We'll get sick of that and then wonder when NFL comes back. But people are going to be transitioning from MLB uh, from NBA to MLB and little primer episodes. That's what we do. That's what, that's what I do, pre, pre-game show. This is all about strategy. So what else are we going to talk about in the NBA? When we can, at least in MLB, we could possibly talk about the day's slate, like the current day's slate. Because things aren't going to change to the point of stupidity. But that's what we do. That's what we do here. In the morning, hit that thumbs up button on the way out the door. Keep my apple juice cold. And I'll see you again. See you again tomorrow. Because I'm here. I'm here every day. Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern. For the DFS pregame show. On rotogrinders.com.